in every coffee shop, library, co-working space, there are ascenders working tirelessly to achieve greatness in their chosen field. Entrepreneurs, authors, musicians, speakers, all soaring towards their definition of success. You haven't seen their names in magazines or history books yet. I'm James Darty, and this is The Ascenders. How far would you go to find happiness? Daniela Vienna is a serial entrepreneur and life hacker with humble beginnings in a difficult family situation in Brazil. After spending her whole life wanting to escape, she moved across the world to find happiness. Her journey brought her to Australia, where she participated in a frog venom ritual and sought advice from a man in the jungle. She's currently writing her story in a book aptly titled Unbelievable. Now, Daniela and I met in a group started by the author of the book, The Third Door, Alex Benign. And if you haven't read that book, put it at the top of your to-do list. Here's my talk with Danny. I lived in Brazil for a big part of my life, like from when I was born until I was 24. Don't even remember anymore. (laughs) As if it was a long time ago. Well, it feels like it was a lifetime ago now. I felt like I lived and rebuilt many lives and just one, which is nice. But growing up there was a mess. Not only because Brazil lives this scenario, like a difficult political scenario, but also because my my family structure was a mess. And... I was lucky enough to have like two people in my life, like my godmother and my uncle that made sure to tell me, yeah, you're not going crazy. This is actually a mess that you don't want to be a part of. So it's like I could look at my situation from above, from outside of that situation. And I grew up wishing I had a way to get out. That's more or less how it happened. Brazil is an, an awesome place, don't get me wrong. Like, it's beautiful. It's a paradise. Um, beautiful beats, wonderful weather, so sweet. The weather is sweet. Um, it's diverse. It has a lot of culture. People are warm and, and people are embracing. Hospitality is wonderful. But it's great if you're a tourist with a lot of dollars to spend. Yeah. Not when you're there, as a, you live there every yeah. day. Was yeah, that a common? It, oh, go ahead. It, it can be tricky. <laughs> yeah. Was that normal? Just were your friends in kind of similar situations or was it more your family unit? I had I had a lot of uh, friend circles in different parts of my life. Um, when I was 12, uh, like from 8 to 12, I had this scholarship to study in a really rich, uh, really, really rich school. So all the kids were super rich and I could see also this, I experienced Brazilian social gap. So I I studied like in public schools where like a lot of unprivileged children would study and I could see that reality. And I could also study in this rich school and see the other reality. And it's like people are living in different universes in the same country. And they not necessarily acknowledge one dimension and other dimension there are like bubbles social bubbles in brazil and that can be a problem when you think of empathy and loss and dynamic that is tough was it tough to relate to people who were in the different bubbles were you kind of a bubble did you try to jump from bubble to bubble or were you kind of stuck in your own i tried to adapt i think as human beings we're highly adaptable i tried to adapt i was definitely more comfortable in the unprivileged bubble than the rich kids bubble if that makes sense i remember like when i was studying in this rich school i wouldn't i wouldn't invite any of my friends to go to my home and i knew i knew that i shouldn't do it um but in the other, it's like I was in the, in the middle of something. I had no idea what it was, but I, I wasn't belonging to any of the bubbles because in the underprivileged school, I have these flashbacks in my mind. I was so little and 
it was like lunch break time and I would have like my my little bag of food and one day um, this little kid just you know stole my food and ran away and I was so scared so I didn't I didn't identify a lot with that but then I went to the rich kids school with my scholarship and I was like I I I'm not like these people <laughs> I don't I don't talk the same things I don't have the same bag I cannot have the same backpack like to go to school and and it was interesting not I didn't like victimize myself when I was like the the crying children like the the crying child saying how sad I was um I experienced it all but I always felt like I was just observing it from afar also because my family was so messy and and things are so confusing I think I developed some sort of coping mechanism where I would just see myself I don't know how to explain that I I don't think I have ever verbalized that but sometimes I would sometimes I would see the scene with me included in the scene as if I was just observing myself living that life oh yeah out of body experience like um i guess kinda, like a fly on the like you felt like you're a fly on the wall of your own life so i've heard people explain that before oh i would love to know more <laughs> about other people that had the same experience because i i I'm, i've been into like therapy and etc and some people say oh it's just because you didn't want to you know accept your reality and then you were just like getting out of that and observing so you would feel less the pain of that reality mm. um so that's an explanation yeah the other explanation i'm i'm super into spirituality and etc but the other explanation is is the disassociation from the human experience because we all as the quote says is is spirits living in a human body um, spiritual beings living this human experience right something around those lines so so I would roll with the second one I think yeah I was just watching things that's so funny you said that because I was just going to bring that up dissociation because sometimes I get in a state of that too where it's like you don't realize what around you is real or I don't know it's 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 even weirder in COVID time like talking to people on zoom just like I see you here and I'm talking to you, but it's hard to like know that you're real because like, yes, yeah, it's this, this weird disjointment. You know, that is so interesting. And when I, you know, growing up, I, I got more into spirituality and I went to find teachers to teach me things about life. And, and I found this amazing teacher. Her name is Byron Katie. And she has this interesting work that is called the work. And I end up going to her school not long ago. Uh, it's a nine-day school uh, when where you learn a, another kind of world that you, you didn't know existed and then she presents it to you and you're like, this makes sense. And what she says is exactly that, is that, you know, everything is a story in, your, in our heads. So, and, and how can I know that things are real? Like, the only thing that's real is what I'm thinking and believing. So I think that you're here and I think we're having this conversation and I believe that this conversation is real. That makes this conversation real. And if it's a painful situation, it's also a story in your head that you are believing that is painful and making it real. And if you need to choose a story, uh, because, you know, we need to choose a story since we're alive of what's real and happening, since you need to choose a story that you'll never know if it's only happening in your mind, you might as well choose a happy story or a story that makes you fulfilled. And that's how I've been living my life since I learned this concept. This, let's say, I don't think she would call that, but disassociation concept. <laughs> how old were you when you started, when you changed that story? Oh, it's not too long ago that it happened. I went to her school at the end of... 2019 oh wow uh, November yeah a few months ago in November and and it it completely changed my life and my perspective about life it helped yeah 100% it helped (laughs) yeah I want to jump back to so were you did you feel like you were living two different lives like you you go to this rich school and meet all these rich kids and then you come home and it's 
not the rich environment it's a completely different environment did you feel like you were two different people oh yeah 100 percent. so i remember like so i studied in this school for two years and in this two years i moved around a lot so i lived with my grandmother and my uncle and my great-grandmother um and each like and my godmother so each house i was living was a different reality and each house i was living definitely wasn't the reality of the rich kids in the school and i would i would have i don't know um pj parties uh sleepovers in in their houses and i'm like this is the things i i I can't i can't see in movies (laughs) um but but i enjoyed that like the the whole experience of seeing how it's i i think i was curious i was always very curious to see how people live their lives and and how people live their lives differently and that helped me to see what i wanted for my life as well not in terms of material things but in terms of structure family structure and i would see you know their family with um, everything in place and I would go back home and at, at some point I was living in the back of my grandmother's hair salon um, and it was so messy and at another point I was living and and like downstairs of this church that my grandfather has built um, so it was many lives in one life and that made me get to the conclusion that all the lives that I was living with my family wasn't the life that I wanted for myself and I had some motivation to study hard and learn as much as I could and grab into any opportunity that I could. And I'm so grateful for that because I could see what was that I liked and I could see what was that I didn't like and didn't want. And I understood how I could, that the, the only way that I could get there is if I studied hard, because that's what, people would tell me, you want to get out of the situation just to study hard, you know, go to college, get your degree, get a job, and then you're the owner of your life. So I was just very motivated to be the owner of my life. Um, And I, yeah, I grabbed to that. When you you would visualize your idea of getting out of there, what would it look like? Hmm, let me think about that. I think, well... I think I didn't think much of how it would be. I just think I just thought about how it wouldn't be. Oh, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, I, I'm happy with whatever it is as long as it's not this bit that I don't want. Exactly. And talking about that, um, when I finally got out of home, uh, when I was 18, I got up. I studied hard. I followed the recipe, and <laughs> I'm really good in following directions. So somebody said, study hard go to college and then just move out. And that's what I did. So when I was 18, I moved to Rio. So I'm from, from countryside, Brazil, and Rio is six hours uh, driving from where I used to live. So when I moved to Rio, I, uh, I got into a lot of you know troubles. I was alone and trying to create some sort of sororities so I could leave and share expenses. That's when I found out I was an entrepreneur. That was my first failed business, the, the sorority. Wait, so you tried to make but, a sorority in Brazil? Uh, yes, I, I actually did did one, but not in the sorority fraternity sense that Americans have. It was just more some sort of shared house that I wanted to create oh, with okay. people from my yeah. university to share the views. And then I would be in my own place, you know, in a, in a way that I could afford and of course, a lot of trouble came with that. In, with that, and I was very—I didn't have any experience. I got into some trouble with laws, in mm. a sense that I was subleasing a place, and I didn't know that you cannot just rent a place and tell someone to pay part of that, and that was wrong, and that was called subleasing, and and it was against the contract, you know. And and mm. but every time I would hit some problem, I would of course have five minutes of desperation and crying and thinking I was a lunch of COVID, but then it would pass because I would think, you know what? This is my own problem that I created because of my own choices. At least I'm not living in my house and my problems are like my family's problems that I just need to absorb and listen to and, and be a victim of uh, and be so involved in if, that's what I didn't want. So every mindset. time I had a problem, 
Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> it it's, it's so easy to blame others, but it, for you to go, you know, this is me, this is my choices, this is how I'm going to fix it. I mean, that's yes. miles ahead, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess at the time it didn't feel that way, but maybe... I, I think it felt like I think I think it felt like this is okay this is shit and now I have this big problem to solve that I don't know how to but I know I can be resourceful and find out and this isn't my own problem this is not the, this is the problem that someone else created for me and I have no way to get out so when you were in college what did you, what was the ultimate goal ultimate goal to let's say I had this idea of I had to become successful and financially independent as soon as I could because I knew that my family didn't unfortunately didn't have the structure to help me so I was counting on the help of one person in my family financially uh, which was uh, my great-grandmother and she oh, was wow. 92 oh my gosh <laughs> and and she would and she would always say like you need to study hard because you don't have anyone she would remind she would remind me of that like Danny, you don't have anyone you need to take care of your own life because you know one day I won't be here anymore and then you won't have me as well and and so so do the best you can wow that is, so, is yeah so that is was she still goal. with us no, she's not. Oh, and I'm so sorry. she, it's, I mean, she was really old. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, she was preparing me for the time for so long. Of course, I didn't feel prepared at all when it happened. But she had this big dream of seeing myself graduated. And I was trying my hardest to, you know, mm. be really f like a fast paced kind of student with my subject and, and, and study so she could see myself finishing college but unfortunately like a few months before uh i graduated she passed oh, no. um, and she left me with not a good like i wasn't prepared i definitely wasn't mentally psychologically prepared and rio was being tough on me i i used to say that I, I joke around that Rio was like a, an angry father. He was teach, like the city was teaching me so much, wow. but he was beating me up and eating me alive and, you know, putting on the corner of the room to think about the things that I was doing and feeling the consequences. And I was so tired. I was exhausted. And I, I was finishing college. I was writing my thesis. I was trying to figure out what to do next. And, and she passed away. She passed away. Um, and you know, everything was getting very expensive as well. I had a little bit of money saved when I, I moved to Rio, but when I moved, I started using that money. I was also working and studying and running the, the sorority kind of thing. And, and it wasn't enough to pay my bills, to pay my food, my rent, um, because it's just, it's just how it is in Brazil. Uh, you, I had a job. I had a really good job um, because of my experience and, and everything that I had done before and everything, every project that I was in when I was in university. But even with my good job at my young age, I knew that I wouldn't have a higher role and my salary wouldn't increase them that much, but it wasn't enough to pay for my life. And I'm like, so there is no hope here. <laughs> what do I do now? So I was just like, flying through my savings not and I wasn't doing like uh, expensive things or buying expensive stuff I was just trying to live a good life and and it wasn't it wasn't possible mm. and my friends at that time um I they you know I had friends that had their parents and they would live with their parents and that's okay because rent is a big portion of your income that goes away sure. um but even them couldn't do anything like big travels and things like that. And, and I wanted so much to travel the world. And I was so thirsty for, you know, that curiosity that I had, it was growing. And, and I wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn my, a, a new language. I wanted to see how other people live their lives. And, and I couldn't. <laughs> uh, oh, man. It hurts. Like it hurts to hear because 
there's so much passion there. You're so ready. And then you just get hit. So what, so I know that the travel thing changed, but what, what was the transition? How did it, what happened next, I guess, is the question. <laughs> so what happened next is I, my, of course, I didn't have my financial, emotional and psychological support anymore. My great grandmother. And I had my lease and I had um, this desire and I had, you know what I had? I had this unreleased potential this unfulfilled potential inside me. I knew so much. I got into so many projects. I had so many ideas. At that time, I already like won two startup competitions. I had business ideas that I, I wanted to make work. Um, and, and I had no light at the end of the tunnel if I stayed in Brazil. Wow. Uh, no matter how qualified I was, it's, it's about the economy. It's about the dynamic. It's about my age. At the age, I wouldn't have a higher post. I wouldn't have a higher salary, no matter how qualified I was. Uh, and and then I started feeling this depression, if maybe that's the name of what I felt. I was just feeling like all the walls were just shrinking and compressing me. And whatever I had of potential inside me was eating me. And I was like, I need to leave this place and find somewhere somewhere with no ceiling because I was just hitting my head at the ceiling of my life. And I wanted to move to an environment where I had no ceiling and I could be myself and, and try everything that I wanted to try and live the life that I, I consider good. Mm -hmm. So I started to search around how to um, do immigration processes. And I started to see how to move to other countries and have opportunities in other places. Then I got approved to master courses because, you know, with a Brazilian passport, the student visa is the only option that you have. Uh, I couldn't get approved. I, I mean, I got approved to this master courses, but I didn't get approved for the scholarship, so I had no money to pay. So I ended up just going in a different way, like to study other things in a, in, a, in a course that was more affordable and et cetera. So I went to Australia. I just went all the world away from what I was. Complete opposite of the world. Wow. <laughs> I just ran as far as I could, I guess. I also had a friend in Australia that said, hey, economy here is great, so many opportunities. Anything that you do, you will be paid a minimum of $17 an hour. And I'm like, what? And I was working as a project manager, like a project coordinator with this massive project coordinating every aspect of it. And I was making, I don't know, in, in, in like if we convert, it would be 800 bucks a month Whoa. in US dollars. Yeah. Wow, you weren't kidding. They yeah no <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so i said well if i wipe tables in australia i will make more money okay. and live a better life than if i just keep working my house off How crazy in brazil so i just packed everything um didn't tell anyone i was going my family i, I wasn't even talking to my family i was the the, the shock of losing my great-grandmother was so big that mm. I, I was feeling so alone um, that I just wanted to disappear and 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 start fresh again. Mm -hmm. So I packed six months of antidepressants, all my bags, um, $1,200 on my pocket, bought my flights with the miles that I had of weekends traveling from Rio to my home city to see my great-grandmother, and I arrived in Australia. <laughs> Man, that, what was, okay, I want to know the feelings on the flight going over. Well, I didn't have much money in my bank account, so I didn't know if immigration border would actually let me in. I didn't have my flight back. <laughs> I was going, you know, I was going to stay, and you need to prove that, you know, you you're not going to, to stay. Come back, yeah. And you, yeah, and I, I actually, the truth is, I couldn't afford to come back, and I couldn't, I didn't even have like uh, my flight back home. So I cried the whole flight mm. uh, to Australia. But I, I felt something like it's, it's like, you know, when you don't have options, this is your best option. Yeah. Because this is it. 
it's not that I had an option of staying. I didn't have a house, you know, I didn't have my parents' house, let's say. I, I barely had parents <laughs> at that point. Uh, I, my great-grandmother was my house and my home, and she wasn't there anymore. It's like I didn't have a place anymore. I wasn't from Rio, so and Rio is so expensive. I was finishing college, and what would I do in Rio? Mm. And, okay, go back home. There is no home. My home died. <laughs> um, mm. So... So there was no option and, and that was freeing in some sense, because if you have the options, I have many friends nowadays that they have this unfulfilled potential inside them as well, but they don't have the courage to do the things that maybe will fuel their souls because they have so many options in their comfort zones, parents' house and support and love and easier ways. And we're human, you know, you want yeah. to be in the, you don't want to go outside and sleep in, on the floor and feel the cold and, and be hungry. You want to have your food and your, in your bed and you want to be in this warm, cozy place. So it makes harder when you have this, these things, right? And I didn't have any of, the, any of those things. So for me, it was in a sense, easy to make a decision. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'm either jumping out of the window or I'm packing and getting into the plane. And I chose getting into the plane. Oh my God. I think you're completely right. And this is, and before we go back in Australia, um, one thing that you said one time in one of the sessions that I completely identify with is the idea of, can you have a success, can you be successful if you haven't gone through bad things? Yes. Yeah, that is something um, I've struggled with for a long time because I've because you read all these books that these people maybe they got over cancer, maybe they got over being homeless, maybe they got yes. over something really really bad happened to them, and then you question, you're like, have I had that happen to me? Do I need to have that happen to me for me to be successful? So this is a question that I'm trying to answer myself, but I have a I don't have an answer, but I have a let's say a, a theory. And I have a theory that I call the superhero theory. Because if you look at all the movies, you know, all the movies about superheroes, you don't yeah. see a superhero that has an extraordinary power or superpower or an ability um, that was just, he was born with it, right? Let's say Spider-Man uh, got beaten and it was a casualty, but he also lost his uncle and that released on him something, some sense of justice. Uh, you know, Batman lost you know, his Batman parents. Lost his parents. Superman we lost can, his we planet. Can, yeah, we could go all day. We could go all day, right? If you watch Glass, Glass is an amazing movie as well that that talks about it. Um, and and I just understood that you know what? I am so grateful that all those things happened to me. Like the fact that I'm here today speaking on my second language and having a meaningful, I'm not saying I'm not making like committing grammar mistakes or my pronunciation is perfect, but I'm having a meaningful conversation with a person that doesn't speak Portuguese and I would never be talking to if I haven't, I hadn't learned English or, you know, I have a business now that is fairly successful and I'm so fulfilled now. I feel I feel the fulfillment that I wasn't feeling before. And all of this, I, I'm, I'm living in California, like out of the blue. I experienced Australia for so long and I, I got to see the world. I traveled Europe and all of this because I had that fuel, mm -hmm. because I had that, you know, the... Let's say that the, I lost my planet, I lost my family, I lost my home, and you know I have my own kryptonite. Like, oh, I have my own Your weaknesses, own yeah. and 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 those things make me the person I am today because I had no option, and for having no option, I developed the strength. And I had to choose some paths that led me where I am today. And where I am today is so much better than where I was and when I was born that I, I cannot even say. So I think I don't know the answer if people can really get tap into their full potential if bad things don't happen to them. I, I guess so. I would say they can. But as I said before, I believe that it requires much more courage then I, I consider myself to be a courageous person. But I also know that to leave your comfort zone, if you have an, an option to stay, requires much more courage than what I had to have. 
And that's what I call the superhero theory. If you had bad things going with your life, use those things as your fuel, as the superheroes did in the movies. I love it. Um, because it's actually it's actually having no options and having no options becomes a superpower. Absolutely. Wow. That was, that was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I would read that book. I would watch that documentary. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm actually writing the book. Uh, this will be a chapter on, on, on the book that I'm writing. I, I mean, I'm definitely reading that book. But I want to go back to Australia before we jump into the book. Um, Let's go back to so Australia. You get off the plane. You move. What, mm -hmm. You're in Sydney? Or? So, okay. So I went to Sydney because my one friend that said, you can crash uh, at my house. Uh, it was literally crash. I had this one mattress on, the, on a den in the oh, house. Wow. Like it, was, I, it wasn't a room. It wasn't the couch. It was just like a, a den. <laughs> and I had this mattress that he said, you can stay here for as long as you, as you need. And, and I had this friend there. So to explain Australia, I need to explain these three steps of happiness so when i had the depression i i started looking for happiness everywhere i i i, I set on a journey towards finding happiness as if it was a pill or a book or a person or a place i wanted to understand what was it for me and i wanted to grab to that as as, as tight as i could yeah. so i tried everything that you can possibly imagine from therapy to antidepressants to happy pills to ayahuasca and frog venom in indigenous rituals i tried it all believe me frog venom? and oh yeah yeah <laughs> um, i've never heard of that yeah yeah it's it's called uh combo it's a ritual that indigenous people do so they it's a very sacred ritual. Mm. Uh, so, and I was looking for every sacred thing that I could yeah, find absolutely. to get me out of the dark hole. And it's, 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 uh, so just in summary, they, the right person, usually a warrior on, on this tribe, um, goes to this ceremony and this warrior, because he has the strength. So that's what he, he wants to, you know, give to you. He, uh, burns you with, uh, a stick. Um, on your uh, usually women are on the arm and, and men no, no men are on the arm because it's closer to the heart so so you would you know the, the venom would make his things faster and women are on their ankle kind of thing so the, he would burn the stick and in and, and, and open little um, little holes like small burnt holes <laughs> on you and he would apply then the venom of this very poisonous frog on the hole so that would go straight into your you know circulation and it's like you're dying it, it literally feels like you're gonna die with um, 30 seconds you you think i'm gonna die with a minute you have you sure he's like yeah it, it, oh it went wrong yeah. <laughs> so you're your face becomes like a frog face because you're swollen. You know, you you're reacting to the venom, and and I don't want to, you know, give too much details. But you detox, so you you vomit and you get out everything that you have into your body. There are people that says that they and you don't eat. You have a whole preparation before, but you don't eat anything. So there's not in your stomach and just what they give you to you like a little um soup kind of thing before to protect your your gut but you some people say that they vomit like red things mm -hmm. uh, black things and then the disease that they have inside them just just get out of them right and i wanted that disease inside <laughs> to just get out of me so badly that i decided to try it so I tried everything and of course things do have an impact and and i would say a temporary fix um but nothing helped more helped me more than what this yoga teacher taught me years later um, that he learned with um, with like a man that lived in this jungle and this man that lived in this jungle told him the secret of happiness and I was like you gotta tell me the secret <laughs> of happiness because I've been traveling the whole world looking for it and he told me that the secret of happiness was like three steps so and I, I i consider my journey um brazil australia california leaving those three steps so that that's what it is are, are you ready <laughs> oh that's great okay so so step one acceptance 
So let's say I used the step one in Brazil. Step one was like accepting the Brazil has, I, I wasn't at home. Brazil wasn't a place for me. I will, I hate the ceiling. I wasn't happy. I needed more. So when you, when you accept things and you start like just, you stop fighting. When you stop fighting with, you know, the denial of things and, and you accept it and you embrace it and you start understanding this is the step one. And, and I did that. And I understood that Brazil wasn't a place for me and I needed to get out. So, so I went to Australia. And Australia was my step two. So, in, so step two, according to this uh, yoga teacher that says that this man in the jungle told him, <laughs> step two is sacred action. So after accepting that Brazil wasn't a place for me and I was so unhappy, um, I accepted that I needed to leave. So my sacred action, that the action that came from a place of authenticity and understanding was leaving and packing and going to Australia to try something new. And I call Australia my journey down and under. <laughs> and in Australia, I learned so much about me and what I was capable of handling and of course it wasn't easy um and i worked a lot and i had many challenges uh, but it was my sacred action again and and it made me happy knowing that i was doing something for myself but this is not the last step of um happiness right so after sacred action you go to step three and step three is what I'm doing in California. But do you have any questions about step two when I was in Australia, sacred action before? Thank you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Making my job easier. I need to start talking to more guys in, in forests or jungles to find out these things. As you said, that's where oh, your yeah. yoga teacher found. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, it was, it was a great piece of um, knowledge, <laughs> I would say. So step one's acceptance. So accepting that you're not growing in Brazil. So you need to, do you think people accidentally do the opposite when, where they accept their circumstances and then just go, okay, well, this is what life is. And then just stay. Yes. I think many people do that. I don't necessarily um, know if it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. If you can accept and then be happy. Great. You nailed the game in one step. Well done. But if you accept that you're not happy and and staying in that place is not making you happy, then I would recommend moving, you know, to, to the next two steps. Uh, but I do believe many people accept that they're not happy and they keep just, they stay just accepting that they're not, they're not yeah. they keep, they go on not being happy. And that's, that's what I want people to stop doing. Yeah, me too. Like, cause I always tell them like, look, you can always move back. It's, it's always there. You can always go back. There's probably still going to be some people there that you want to return to, but take a chance. That's why um, I always think exactly. people move from their hometown. I got a lot of friends still in my hometown. Um, and that's how you can be a superhero, um, not having the bad stuff happen. Because mm-hmm. I have a friend that, you know, she said, okay, I don't have any of those bad things happen to my life. I had an amazing childhood. I have amazing, loving, caring parents. But I still have the unfulfilled potential. But how can I become a superhero without my superpowers? And that's when you need to use the resources that you have as the superpowers, thinking that, okay, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is like, I don't like this and I go back to my comfort zone, but I don't want people to just stay in the comfort Agreed. zone because they think that's the, the max that they will ever have if they feel the unfulfilled potential. Exactly, exactly. I love that. Okay, so Australia, step two. And what was the it was sacred mm-hmm. what? Sacred action. Sacred and it's action. sacred because it's coming from a sacred place inside yourself, from a place of understanding, because now you accepted whatever you needed to accept. You've tried all, you tried, while you were there, you tried all these things, you tried the, the frog venom, amazing. I, I did the, three times. I, three times? Is that, three times. Is that common to try oh. three times? Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh man, this is, I, I really want to, how did you, how did you find that? Was, did you have a friend who was like, come try this? Uh, so, so yeah, little disclaimer and to whoever is listening to it, if you are willing, if you felt a calling inside you, 
now that I'm talking about it, now that you know that this is a thing, um, please do this with people that know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend to do with the indigenous people that have been doing this for, you know, as part of their culture, not just, you know, there's a lot of, I would say, and forget, forgive me for the label, let, there's a lot of like white men just selling this as a ritual for the money and, and, and that can be really risky. Yeah. So look for, you know, indigenous tribe that has been doing this um, as part of the culture as, as a way to help you. That's good. All right. So did that three times to Tamayawasa, which is another one where there, you should do that with the right people. Yes. Um, so yes, the, the same tribe. <laughs> there, okay, perfect. So you stayed there for three years, right? In Australia, I stayed for three and a half years, yeah. yes. So where did mm -hmm. you find that shift, would you say, that sacred shift? Was there a certain moment where you're like, here it is? Or was it you, was it the moment you left, you realized, you looked back and realized, wow. So I think in, in Australia, I was constantly on a sacred action move, um, a sacred action mood. So in Australia, everything that I, I wasn't feeling right about, I would do some action in, 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 in a direction of changing it. Mm -hmm. So for three and a half years, I was on a journey down and under in terms of self-improvement and changing what I was doing. So I knew I was starting from rock bottom, no money, nothing, uh, knowing no one. But then I would, you know, start a job on hospitality work and, and because I, I needed my English to improve so I could work in my field again, my area of expertise again. And I wasn't necessarily stoked that I wasn't, you know, wiping tables and serving meat for people as a vegetarian person, but I knew what I was doing and I knew that that was my sacred action and I knew I wasn't staying there. I knew I was doing it for a reason and, and I had, you know, deadlines and timeframes and goals and I slowly, you know, changed from job to job, from job to job, yeah from job to job, um, hospitality, <laughs> from hospitality job to hospitality job until I finally had the courage and that was another sacred action to apply for a job on my area of expertise. So I applied to work in this co-working space as a marketing assistant. Uh, they had a creative agency inside the co-working space and I would be serving both. And that was when I, I, I went back to work with what I know um, best I believe me I suck as a waitress I, I'm so bad at it <laughs> <laughs> me too I, I've never done food service because I know that I'm just it's like, I'm really bad I at respect it yeah the people I, I would I, I so would much. oh it's 100% I would have these moments of extreme frustration because I knew how smart and intelligent I was but how could I forget to press the button mains, <laughs> mains away and people are now waiting for the food for one hour and I would feel so incompetent uh. <laughs> absolutely sometimes the simplest the simplest that well we think it's the simplest thing because they're just the ones yes, that make it's us definitely feel like not the, simple juggling yeah. you know three you need to be like so you have to have so many skills and abilities with your hands and the way you talk and the way you present yourself mm -hmm. and your politeness and and you know your memory and it's a bunch of i i do have a lot of respect and admiration uh, for everyone that works in the hospitality world, and I think everyone should try. Um, it would everyone should go to an hospitality job once in their life, so they would become better human beings. It should be required by the government. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, well, in Australia, they require uh, students on a certain type of visa to go to do farm work for. I've heard that three months. I had, I had a friend yeah. who did that. Um, she yeah, she's in the UK. Loved it. Yeah, it's European European students when they go, they need to if they want to renew their visa, they need to do three months of farm work, which is fair. Yeah, I mean it sounds like a fair trade to me. I almost yeah. I almost did something like that in New Zealand at one point. Um, ended up not, I still might. Who knows? Uh, okay, so we leave Australia. Um, what made you leave? <laughs> Coronavirus. <laughs> oh, wow, I didn't realize it was that recent. No. <laughs> So yeah, it, it's pretty recent, but it was like, uh, I think, I do believe that, I, I believe a lot in, in destiny in, in, in a sense. I think you have amazing things waiting for you 
and waiting for your courage to achieve them, to, to, to get into the path. It's not necessarily that things will happen one day or another. There are amazing things that you are destined to experience and, and you need to you know walk the walk to experience those things. So I, I got in 2019, at the end of the year, I got the scholarship out of the blue to go to Bion Katie's School of the Work for nine days. And that's when I came to California for the first time in seven years. Um, and, and I felt this place as an adult. I would say I would put this way because I, I came here like seven years ago, but it was just a few days. And, and then I went, I came back in November for the school of the work and my mind was completely shift. My mind was changed. It's like, I went to the school and I learned about life <laughs> and I learned about myself and what I really wanted and what I really, really liked. And in Australia, I have, I had built um, two businesses. So I had my, after my marketing job, I built my, I learned how the industry works in Australia and I built my own marketing agency to get my clients and I had this business and then I could go back to the startup world where I was, um, I launched the startup um, and, and I, I was juggling these two businesses um, because, you know, you know, startups don't happen uh, overnight. Yeah, you need to put a lot of investment and time. So I was juggling these two businesses um, and I came to California and everything happened. The school happened, connections happened, networking happened, uh, people happened, insights happened, this warm, beautiful weather happened, and I was feeling so happy. And I was feeling happy in a way that I wasn't feeling in Australia. It's not that I was sad in Australia as I was in Brazil, I was unhappy. In Australia, I was living a life that it wasn't necessarily the life that I wanted to live for a long time. Um, I was overworking myself and, and when well, I was living in Melbourne at this point and it was super cold. I'm grateful for Australia, but I, I was hitting that ceiling again. I could see the ceiling coming again, closer to my head. Um, and later I understood that it's just because, you know, United States and California is the right place to be if you are in business and if you are an entrepreneur. Uh, and when I came here in November, I just felt all the networking connections. It's what Alex Panayan, the author that we both like so much, called the thunderstorm. So if you want to get hit by lightning, uh, you need to go where the thunderstorm is happening. So, so I felt it here and, and then I decided that I wanted to move here. But I had to, you know, restructure my life and, and go through some, go through some, um, you know, organization steps so I could move here. And I spoke to my partner at the time and I said, hey, we should move here uh, and live here for a year so I can boost up my, my business. And I really want the startup to happen. Uh, my marketing agency was killing me. You know, clients are, we, we're just so demanding and I was working so much for not so much money, not comparing to Brazil. That's, you know, I was living a comfortable life in Australia, but... It was a lot of work for not a lot of money. And I knew inside me that I had that potential still to, to, to make more. And I, I saw that this California was the place to be. So I went back to Australia in January. And I kept like thinking of California and, and trying to organize things. And that's when I got another scholarship to go back to Byron Katie's course. And this time it was just a four-day course, like a follow-up on the school and tickets were so cheap because China was with this so-called coronavirus and everybody was slowing down their trip so companies like airlines were just making so many deals and the ticket was so cheap and and I got the scholarship it was just four days so I, I bought the ticket and I decided to come back and I really wanted to experience California again and I saw this as an opportunity to be in the thunderstorm again mm -hmm. and and make it make it rain <laughs> so so i came for to stay 20 20 days and for the first time in my life i packed for 20 days um and i came and on the second day of course of the course uh borders shut so they closed the borders they closed australian borders they closed everything 
and my visa in Australia was still a temporary visa. Uh, my process was undergoing process, but it wasn't, uh, my residency wasn't with me and I couldn't go back. And when I understood that I couldn't go back, first I had this five minutes of desperation because I was like, okay, what do I do now? Because the the dollar was going up in, 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 a, in a very fast way. And Australian dollars compared to US dollars, it was a big difference and increasing. And all my contracts with the marketing agency, all my clients, all my clients were in Australian dollars. And I was like, if, if to stay here, um, I need to make money in US dollars. And I started thinking, okay, what are my resources now? So I thought about getting a job, but I didn't have a working visa, so I couldn't get a job. And I also couldn't go back to Australia. And so, a part of me was liking the idea of figuring that out. So I was very worried, but I also I was also liking, okay, now I'm here and I need to figure out a way to stay here. And, and a part of me was happy with that. And I was feeling those butterflies in my belly and I was feeling alive. And I didn't understand that um, at first. And then the day I understood that was, was when my partner, uh, my fiance, um, messaged me and said, hey, I called the embassy and, and if you sign all these papers and we prove that you are, you know, a, a um, family member, you have a chance to get in. And, and when he said that, something inside me whispered that I didn't want to go back. And to understand that, is a whole another step one thing accepting and embracing and digesting and i didn't know what was it but i i decided to listen to my inner whisper talking to me and i also didn't want to risk my visa and get stuck in between airports uh, because there was a chance that even with the paperwork I wouldn't be able to get in Australia and of course if I leave the US you know Trump doesn't wouldn't really like me to come back yeah. so, <laughs> so you know with the, with the corona situation and etc so so I decided to stay and that's when it comes step three of the three step towards happiness. Um, and when I decided to stay, I didn't have anything planned. I didn't have much. I only had my 20 day backpack. Um, and then I, in 48 hours, uh, made this whole sacred action movements towards finding a way to stay. So I remember that I had an investment deal on the table that I've been, I was like discussing for a long, long time with um, a mentor of mine that I had, that I've been like building this relationship towards the years with my involvement in the startup events and community. And this mentor saw our business uh, growing, me and my business partner, and he wanted to get involved. So he was commenting about it and we were discussing uh, money and equity and dissolving the equity and how much here, how much there, blah, blah, blah. But it was very slow. And I thought to myself, well, I want, I want to have a job. Uh, I don't have a visa. I'm not working illegally. I'm not doing that. And I so called my mentor and I said, hey, so here's the thing. I'm in US and I will stay here. And I decided to stay. And uh, if the investment deal is still on the table, this is the time for us to agree on that. You know, later than that will be a no. So if you want to discuss that, this is the time. So he discussed that and he bargained a lot and we lost a lot of money in the deal. And when I when we lost a lot of the initial money we were agreeing on, I knew it would be very challenging to convince my business partner uh, to accept that as well, but I didn't have many options. So I told him, okay, I can guarantee you that we can close the deal with these numbers that you're asking for if you can guarantee us that we'll both have a salary from the investment money, that all the money won't be just invested in the business, that we can draw a salary uh, for both of us that will be enough to cover 
our my at least took over my rent and food in US um, until this whole corona situation eases. And he said yes. Wow. Oh man. He said yes. So in 48 hours I had decided that I had accepted that I wanted to stay, embraced that, understood that. I want I and, and I, I I didn't know why, but it was just this thing in my belly telling me that a big thing was coming and, and that was the right place here was the right place to be in order to, you know, have this big thing coming. And I couldn't make sense of it, but I needed to, I needed to listen to it. It was screaming inside me. And, and I decided to do it. So I called my partner and I had a a really long, hard, uncomfortable conversation with him explaining my reasons and what I was doing and why I wanted to stay and telling him that I had this deal on the table that if I, if I was able to get the deal, then I would stay and I got the deal and then I called my business partner and it was a long uncomfortable conversation as well and he was like decided to not close the deal he said we're doing fine we'll go slow but we'll be able to bootstrap the idea we don't need this money right now and I'm like no 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 you don't I thought about giving up in the call I thought about giving up and I'm like this is just too hard but then I felt it in a whisper again and I'm like you know I'm the CEO of this company. He is the CEO of this company. We both have a saying, and this is the time that I need to exercise my CEO role. So I just, you know, filled my lungs with air and I explained to him in a very rational way why closing the deal would be the best to do for us, for the business, and, you know, for the long-term planning of the company and also to make things happen faster. And... I think I spoke for like five minutes straight without even listening to him, just closed my eyes and I had the phone and I was just talking and trying to make sense of things. And when I stopped, he's like, you're right. I'm sorry. I was being selfish and reckless and short-minded and you're right about that. You can close the deal. And that was the first time that, that he actually said that like he's a genius i love my business partner to the bones and but it was the first time that he said you know what i was wrong you were right let's do it and i'm like yes so i closed the deal and then that that gave me a salary and and also we injected the money in the company because i decided to stay and because i listened to the inner whisper i closed the investment deal i stayed I injected the money in the company. I made a lot of networking, even over Zoom, because I'm here and I'm in the same time zone as people, and you know that have a say in this world. And the business just took off, and we're doing so great now. And and I'm writing a book about all of this. And I think I think the book is also part of my mission on Earth. Absolutely. And this is the third step of the secret of happiness, which is according to this man in the jungle, trust. So step one, you accept whatever it is. Step two, you, you, you move towards what you want, what you understood that you want with your sacred actions. Step three, your trust is going to happen. So when I decided to stay, it, it made no sense rationally at all um but i i felt something and i decided to trust what i was feeling and then i it was again accepting sacred actions and trusting more and i just i'm just now living my life out of this three-step cycles and that that makes me happy that was a ted talk keynote speech right there (laughs) that was I was on the edge of my seat. Like I'm sitting on a bed right now, but I was on the edge of the bed. <laughs> I love it. That was, oh, wow, Danny. That is incredible. Do you have to, do you have to go or do you have some more time? I have time. I have okay, time, yes. <laughs> so first of all, we, we didn't say what the business was. What is the business exactly? 
Yeah, so that's the thing, right? Doesn't matter what it is. No, I know, I know. Step, that's why I didn't. That's why I didn't. I didn't cut you off because I was letting you finish up the third step. And now that we're past it, I definitely want to hear what the business yeah. is. <laughs> so uh, we developed a tool to generate people's birth charts uh, on the spot. Um, a birth chart is just a snapshot, a snapshot of the sky on the moment and location you were born. So the position of the planets in the moment, the location you were born inside the zodiac houses. So each person has, let's say, this astrological fingerprint. And so we developed this tool to create your chart, your astrological fingerprint on the spot. And we customize jewelry and posters, wall art with your very own birth chart. So, yeah, we're also developing an app, a subscription box with the investment money. It made our life easier, right? So, yeah. so now we can we can go um, full potential with all the ramifications of this idea. Um, but that's what the business is. Amazing. It's called ephem- ephemeris. Ephemeris. Okay. Yeah. And then, so move on to the book. So the book's called Unbelievable. Right. So the book's called Unbelievable, um, The Universe Rewards Courage. Mm. And I mean, you are living proof. Absolutely. Um, so is this, is it going to be a kind of a collection of stories where the universe has rewarded you like we've heard today? or It's going to be, let's put it this way, it's going to be the three-step recipe with examples not only of my life and and how i leveraged those three steps and used and followed those directions but also how other fairly successful people uh, and when i say successful i'm not saying financially i'm saying happy mm-hmm, <laughs> how other happy fulfilled people used these um, steps as well in their lives knowing or not knowing to achieve their dreams or their state of mind that they wanted to achieve I'm so going to read that book. <laughs> and so my, my, I think, and it's unbelievable because some of the stories are just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, you just jump, you jump and you're flying. And sometimes you don't believe you can fly. Um, and you have to unbelieve so many beliefs in your mind to be able to do these uh, jumps. Um, you know, unbelieve that you're not worthy, unbelieve that you don't deserve it, unbelieve that it's not gonna work out, and then believe in yourself, and then have the courage, and then trust that this is the way it is, and it's gonna be okay, so then the universe will always reward you, Mm -hmm. and that's what I believe. I want you to take a second, and I want you to go back to 10-year-old Daniela, when she was imagining getting out of Brazil, if she was envisioning what your life is now, you think she'd be proud? <laughs> she wouldn't believe. She, I think she would be fucking proud. Yes. That's what I wanted to hear. She would. There's no she, way she wouldn't be. She would be fucking proud. And I, I really wish... Maybe, maybe that's what was happening. You know, maybe when I had the disassociation episodes, it was me now. You know, if we think of time as this no beginning, no end thing, you know, if we disassociate from this um, concept of time that we have, maybe right now while we're saying that, I am telling the 10-year-old Daniela that, you know, this is not your life. And then I'm having a disassociation episode, not knowing what that is. That's amazing. That's an amazing thought. Well, Danny, this, uh, no words to describe, but um, I end each episode, our good friend Keyshawn, we all love, he taught me um, something called the greatest gift. And the greatest gift you gave today was just the, first of all, and this is, you've proven something to me. When I moved to China, I met a lot of people who spoke English, but the thing is, is that when they speak English, they aren't able to really speak from their soul. They speak from their mind. And I always heard when you have your first language, you speak from your heart. Your second language, you speak from your mind. But for you, no matter what language you're speaking, you're always speaking from your heart and you're always speaking from your soul. 
it is Thank unbelievable how connected you are and i can never <laughs> believe this is your second language absolutely incredible but second giving the showing that no matter how you're brought up you can still escape you could still get out and find the amazing adventure and happiness is there's somebody out there who needs to hear that and you're going to change their life so thank you for that thank you thank you so much well you also gave me the greatest gift of looking at this from a place of so much love and going back to all those flashbacks and seeing how everything was so worth it and having this time having this time like this stopping my seven meeting <laughs> day it, it to, to just like appreciate it and look back and see how far i got and 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 how far anyone can get this this was a gift You can find out more about Daniela at DanielaVienna.com. Follow her on Instagram at DanielaVienna and her book's Instagram at Unbelievable Book. If you like this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find us. Now, the greatest gift you gave me today is your time, attention, and open mind. Keep ascending.